Blog Talk Radio. Martin Luther King Jr. was a visionary who changed the nation. He was a charismatic, powerfully moving leader who endured harassment, beatings, and even bombings. We commemorate the man who went to jail 29 times to achieve freedom for others and would pay the ultimate price for his leadership. King recognized the power of unconditional love, even for one's adversaries, as a way to fight injustice and defuse violent disputes. In the face of discrimination and prejudice, he helped inspire an entire nation to stand up and say no more. MLK Day isn't just about the man. It's a day that symbolizes taking a stand for something that's bigger than all of us. It's fighting for justice. It's helping one another. And it's believing that one day we won't be judged by our gender or the color of our skin by the content of our character. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four little children one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I say to you today, my friend, let freedom ring. Let freedom ring, and when this happens, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that day when all of God's children, black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join hands and sing in the words of the old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thanks God Almighty, we are free at last. And welcome in tonight, and welcome in America. This is Lamont Banks and AJC Radio, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it, what you heard at the top of this program is Dr. Martin Luther King. As tonight, we visit a very special place, but a place of reality, dealing with the fact, where is the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King in America today? And folks, I'd like to say I have good news and I'm optimistic, but I'll tell you right now, America's in trouble. The dream seems to be lost. We search for it tonight as we look for the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King in today's America. Folks, hang on to your seats. AJC Radio gets ready to take off.
And there you have it, folks. Welcome in America. And, folks, uh, hope you're having a good night tonight. Thanks so much tonight, ladies and gentlemen, for spending some time with us this evening as we get ready for another special edition of uh, AJC Radio where we remember the life and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, a man that made an impact on this nation. And today we're going to be joined by Cheryl Dorsey. She's a former uh, Los Angeles uh, police officer in L.A., of uh, uh, the Los Angeles Police Department, uh, and we're also going to be joined by the mother of Eric Gardner, uh, the gentleman that was killed in New York City, as we begin to reflect and get some perspective, if you will, on the condition of a nation and whether that dream is alive. And as I said moments ago, America has lost her way. And Dennis, as we talk about this tonight, the the and we show if you will, respect to Dr. Martin Luther King, the efforts, the struggle, the price, yes, yes. Uh, and ultimately the price of his life. I believe in my heart Dr. Martin Luther King would be ashamed of the condition of this nation. Your thoughts on that, Dennis? I agree. Uh, there's still some uh, deep, deep-seated deep uh, hatred in America. I mean, uh, and, and I think the biggest thing is that... Uh, People just don't don't know each other. You know, we, we haven't got to that place where we learn each other's culture and, and get a better understanding of, of, of what each and, and every individual uh, race is about. It's everybody's so caught up in their own, you know, their own culture that that they we, we don't know each other. So how do we react? Uh, it, it's still the same. There's still a lot of prejudice out there, and and it's all because of a lack of knowledge of who we are. Yeah, and I right. think King, I, I mean, if he came back today, like you said, he'd probably be like, wow, well, we haven't gotten that far. Well, I'll tell you, folks, uh, I told you, Lisa, we talked about this before on a trip to D.C. Uh, a young lady uh, sat not next to me, uh, probably around the tender age of 65, uh, made the statement very clear. I don't know whether I'm in 1960 or 2014. Wow. Or 2015. This is what she said. And that's sad. If a statement, and this was a, this was a white woman who said, to me, who said this to me on the plane. I don't know whether it's 1960 or 2015. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem. And tonight we're going to tackle those issues and, and many more as we get ready to honor the, the late Dr. Martin Luther King as we celebrated his birthday in this country yesterday. And AJC Radio... Uh, we are compelled uh, to honor his legacy, his life. We'll give you an opportunity, folks, also um, to, uh, to dial into the show. Um, and I'll tell you right now, uh, it's worth calling in. America needs, AJC Radio needs to hear from you. Uh, and uh, Clint, uh, Cliff, excuse me, your thoughts on, the, the doctor, on Dr. Martin Luther King and where we are uh, as a nation. Well, I, uh, you know, just echo the sentiment of that, the young lady that you talked to. You see so many things that happened that you thought the civil rights movement would have had an extreme impact on, uh, you know, as far as what's going on in America with civil rights. And you see people who gave their lives. Dr. King gave his life so that civil rights could be offered to all. But you look at it here, you know, now we're in 2016. We look at everything that happened in 2015. And the uh, and the years before, and it is sad to say that you don't see that much change. Sure, uh, you know we can we can drink out of a out of a fountain, the same fountain as white people, 
We can ride the same bus anywhere on the bus that we want to. But when it comes to equal protection from law enforcement uh, and equal rights and things of that nature, you cannot shoot people down in the street and as law enforcement officer and then come back and say, well, I fear for my life. And why? Because he was a black guy with a bag of Skittles. That has no place well, in American society. No, oh, without question. I'll tell you right now, folks, you know, and, and Cliff, to your point, the fact that I can get on the city bus and sit a little closer to the driver versus the back of the door, uh, we appreciate that. Uh, that's not going to bring, that's not going to eliminate hate in this country. That's right. Uh, you can, I can go get a cup of water now from 7-Eleven or a, a, a bottle of water. Uh, I don't have to, and you know, I don't have to be segregated. But ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it, America is at a point of segregation. Not on, in our judicial system. We have more blacks and Hispanics in prison than any other race. That sounds like segregation to me. Exactly. When we are putting black men in prison wrongfully, and we are going, we're breaking records on the number of minorities that are in prison, and we're doing less to them uh, than what we're doing to the white man, guess what? That's segregation. I agree. Dr. Martin Luther King uh, made a lot of points in his career. He said that a man would not judged by the color of his skin, but the content of his character. Well, our judicial system is judging men by the color of their skin. Absolutely. And we have racial disparities entering the courtrooms with the decisions of judges. Ladies and gentlemen, if, if you were looking for a wave the flag kumbaya moment of what's going on in America, I'll tell you right now, that's not the case. America's in trouble. And it's time that we do something about it. We're going to get into all of that here uh, momentarily. Uh, but first, uh, Lisa, we'd like to talk about, let, go ahead and read the disclaimer to the folks, please. Yeah, we just want to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide any legal advice. You want to contact your personal legal advisor for your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC radio. And as always, we want to thank you for choosing to spend some time with us and tuning in to listen this evening. And thank you, Lisa, for that. Uh, we would like to take a moment tonight as we go into uh, Lisa uh, telling uh, our listeners to go out and sign the petition for Jasmine uh, Lima Marin and right. her husband, Renee, Renee Lima Marin, who is, uh, was sent back to prison. Uh, after 10 years of a 16-year sentence, he actually paroled, uh, did everything that he needed to needed to to comply with the court order, went through uh, 10 years of his life, taken his appellate attorney, came down and said, look, this is what we have. You're going to do 16 years, not 98 years. This is what it is. Again, yielding to the expertise of his attorney. Exactly. The Department of Corrections yielded to that expertise. The filing clerk yielded to that expertise. Uh, the parole board yielded to that expertise and released this man who then got out for six years. Started a family, bought him a home, secured a job, and began to live the American dream, if that's what you call it. And they came in and took it away from this beautiful family. This is uncomprehendable. It's heartless. How do you do that? And how do you get away with that? And the, the, what I understand is that it's currently in the Colorado State Supreme Court. They are working to get things uh, uh, hopefully uh, turned around. Uh, they have obtained over 300,000 signatures in support 
of Renee Lima Marin and, and that family. And we're going to ask you to go to AJC Radio. There is a link there that you can actually go to. Click on that link and sign the petition, folks. And uh, that is critically important, and we ask you to do that just as soon as possible. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Uh, this, is, this has to be done. 2016 is a year of pushing for justice. And that means us, you know what, it takes you less than 10 seconds to click on a link and sign your name to it. Let's get involved. Does it require any real work from you at all? Just exactly. all you got to do is click and sign. Come and on. if you wonder if you should sign, if it's your brother or your, or your dad, how quick would you sign that petition? How quick would you get involved? We need you to get involved. That's critically important. Uh, starting tomorrow, uh, and you can, you can go to change.org as well for the IRP6. Uh, that will be in effect again as of tomorrow. Uh, to go out there, we are asking that President uh, Obama uh, grant clemency to the IRP6 uh, and l- release these men on wrongful convictions where they tore the children. Families have been torn apart. Breadwinners of families have been separated. The tears of the children are running in the streets from grief as their fathers sit in prison for a crime they never committed. What do we do? Do we not do it? Not, do we do it for the men? Do we do it for the children? Do we do it for the family? All three points need to happen. Cliff, your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, we, there's an epidemic of uh, false imprisonment in America. You have, I mean, when, you, when they came out with the report last year from the Innocence Project, the, the number of exonerations shows that the, the percentage of people who are in prison wrongfully is, is, is staggering. I mean, when you you look at it and you say, "Well, we're setting a record number of people free who are who are exonerated." Well, that means you're you're imprisoning a record number of innocent well, people. Exactly. That well, never it, been it means you got it wrong. You got it wrong <laughs> all over the place. <laughs> That's and, what it means. And when you look at the entire system, you look at the prosecutors who uh, won't come back and let it go, even when a man is found innocent with DNA that says this was not him. They still want to come back and say. No, we need to keep him in there, or we need to find him. For what? He was not the man who committed the crime. Then you have judges who won't step up to the plate and put their name on the line and say, an uh, uh, innocent man should be set free. And those are things in the, in the justice system. I mean, the basic, that is the top level of what needs to be changed to ensure that everyone in prison who's there wrongfully should be set free. It's not a difficult proposition. It's not difficult at all. And, uh, folks, we're going to push on this program Every single program, we 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 blow the horn uh, for the for the for the innocent, for those that have been wrong, those that continue to be wrong in a system that violates the exact dream of Dr. Martin Luther King, that goes against everything that he gave his life for. America stands in 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 a serious position of being guilty uh, of that, and that those are things that we have to get involved. And uh, we've been sitting back too long talking about what we're going to do. Uh, we need to get involved, and like 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 we said earlier, to go out and sign a petition. Uh, it just means you care about your fellow man. Exactly. You know, I care about this situation. You know, the thought is is, is that the perception is that anybody that goes to prison has to be guilty because that's a misperception in the minds of people across this country, and people don't get it until it happens to them, till it visits their front door. They don't understand. Go to AJCRadio.com and look at the family of Renee and Jasmine Lima Marin. Lisa, they, it looks like they belong in a, in a, in a magazine. That is a, that's a beautiful family. Beautiful, beautiful family. family. And this man uh, 
took his bride a year saying, we're going to wait till we get off paper, and then we're going to get married and start our life together. But we don't have parole hanging on our back. Exactly. We're going to do it the right – very smart guy. Very. And you turn around and you say, let me take a minute and thank you for your compliance and throw you back in prison. And the district attorney up, in the, up there in Denver makes the statement he had no right to get married or to start a family or to buy a house. I would love to meet him personally. How insane is that, Dennis? That's very insane. I mean, that tells you uh, the lack of love. I mean, it, it's just to me, it's just our justice system needs a major overhaul. Anytime prosecutors and judges have unlimited use of the justice system, and on the other hand, the defendant has nothing. There's nothing. It, it, it's just that it, something has to be done. And like you were talking about, Lamont, if America don't start talking, if America don't start saying we're sick and tired of the injustice that's, that's being done to people that are innocent, we, we have to get mad. You have to get angry. <laughs> and until you get angry, nothing's going to happen. They're going to continue to do what they want to do. They're going to continue to set these judges and these prosecutors on pedestals and say they're never wrong. Well, you know, they my, are wrong. And my thought, Dennis, is that there should be term limits on judges. I agree. Uh, give them, give them, put them up there four years. I agree. Get the new blood in here, some new people that may have a new vision, may have a new passion that, that's not corrupted by the good old boys network of the judicial system. I agree. What about term limits on judges and taking the God complex away from these people? Supreme? This is unbelievable. Every time I think about Supreme Court? Well, you got Supreme. Well, really? Cliff, and in the case with Christine Arguello, she was appointed by the president. Is that right? Right. And and judges that are appointed federally, they're, they die. There, they're there until they die. I mean, wow. nobody can put them off the bench unless they walk away themselves. And even the, the thing is, when they even get caught doing something wrong, what do they get? A sanction, a slap on the wrist, right. a letter, uh, something something in the media that says this judge was found doing something wrong. I mean, they, they get a, a public admonishment. They need to be locked up and put in prison. Exactly. If you put somebody in prison wrongfully, then you, and you did well, it knowingly, you it, should spend that amount of time. Why don't somebody answer a question for me? If the president of the United States, the most powerful go. man I see where you go. of the free world, there is no one powerful than the man that occupies Pennsylvania Avenue. If he has term limits, number one, but he is answerable to the members of Congress. And he can be impeached. He can be impeached and thrown out of Pennsylvania Avenue. Someone give me an indication how a judge appointed by the president, meaning the president is higher in power, has no limit. I have no answer. None. Can somebody give I, me an answer? I can't answer that it's question. Completely There's no answer to that, son. Does that make any sense, folks? you got to start taking a look at the system and seeing the wow. nonsense that's going on. We have the president appointing judges who has the power to appoint, and he has term limits. He is answerable by a check and balance system in the United States Congress. But you're telling me the judge in which he appoints answers to no one. No one. No wonder there's a God complex <laughs> Going on in America, folks. We need to take a look at it, and uh, I'll tell you right now, Supreme Court. We justice. have a problem, and I was checking them out. Uh, some of the justices on the uh, uh, State of the Union address, uh, and the president was talking. Everybody else standing up, and they're just 
they're in their little robes and they're just unmovable. They're too we, special. We are just that special, folks. The president in which you are sitting down on puts you there. What? I'm at a loss for words. It doesn't happen too often. Tonight I'm at a loss. But hang in there, folks. Uh, tonight, coming up on the other side of this break, Cheryl Dorsey, former LAPD detect, uh, police officer, uh, as well as Eric Gardner's mother, Gwen Carr Gardner. She's going to be joining us as we take a deep look into Dr. Martin Luther King's life. His legacy, the question I want you to put on your tablets tonight, on your iPads, whatever you're using, where's the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King in America right now? We're coming right back on the other side of this break. Folks, hang in there, grab a cup of coffee, cappuccino, hot chocolate. It's wintertime in America, but we're coming back with you here on AJC Radio. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 855- 529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. Over a million people are sitting in the prisons of America nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation, costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. Bart police officer who shot and killed a man. When I first saw the Oscar Grant footage, like a lot of people here in Oakland, I was outraged. As soon as I heard about it and I went online and I seen what had happened, tears came down my eyes. It was something that was very alarming as a police officer and as a citizen of Oakland. It was like such a blatant murder. You have a city in trauma. Anyone that's seen that and looks at it is in trauma. My hope is that people will express their concern with police brutality, but they will do so in constructive ways that don't include violence. We cannot perpetrate this cycle of harm and violence in this community. Because we do have to live here and they terrorize the city and it's only going to make it worse for us. They killed our young black brothers who've been saying you can't 
you can protest, you can try to make a change, but there is a positive way you can do it. And make sure we let the police know and that we're aware that stuff ain't right out here. We're trying to fix it. In a way that is about using your voice for justice. And making Oakland a safer place for everyone to live and get along as one. Violence is not just Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. Violence is not justice. To the King family who have sacrificed and inspired so much. To President Clinton, President Carter, Vice President Biden, Jill, fellow Americans. Five decades ago today, Americans came to this honored place to lay claim to a promise made at our founding. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life liberty, the pursuit of happiness. In 1963, almost 200 years after those words were set to paper, a full century after a great war was fought and emancipation proclaimed, that promise, those truths, remained unmet. And so they came by the thousands from every corner of our country. Men and women, young and old, blacks who long for freedom and whites who can no longer accept freedom for themselves while witnessing the subjugation of others. Across the land, congregations sent them off with food with prayer. With pr- In the middle of the night, entire blocks of Harlem came out to wish them well. With a few dollars they scrimped from their labor, some bought tickets and boarded buses, even if they couldn't always sit where they wanted to sit. Those with less money hitchhiked or walked. They were seamstresses and steel workers, students and teachers, maids and Pullman porters. They shared simple meals. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, President Barack Obama giving uh, Dennis Lisa Cliff, uh, giving Dr. Martin Luther King some respect here uh, in regards to what he did, the legacy that he put down uh, is awesome. Folks, welcome back to AJC Radio. Again, I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt, uh, part of the team. And uh, we're doing some pretty good things here at AJC Radio. As tonight we take a moment, Dennis, to remember a legend. A, uh, when you get a holiday uh, named after you, you're doing pretty good. You've made an impact on the nation. Unfortunately, it took some battles. Yeah. 
They didn't want to give the man a holiday after all that he did. I mean, folks, it's time that a reality check happens right now. And that is one simple fact. We need to honor the legend, the vision, if you will, and the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. Lisa, uh, I know you're you're a mother. Uh, uh, didn't have the issue where you had to raise your son in a in a time of uh, water hoses and dogs and uh, going to a separate school for this reason or that. Uh, your thoughts on Dr. Martin Luther King, the impact he made. How does that affect you tonight? Uh, as a mother, as we look at the life of Dr. Martin Luther King? Well, you know, I think um, it says a lot for, I mean, it's, it's a good thing. I mean, I'm glad that we have the things that he put in place in place, that things change, that everything's not segregated, and people are together and more in a sense of just, you know, being allowed in the same place and things like that. But I think it's still important to teach my son and everyone else teach their children about the things in history so that when they see these things that come up that show you that we have not progressed as much as they say we have, that they are able to recognize those things. Go ahead, Lisa. I know my son doesn't, He, I mean, my husband talks to him nowadays and off and on from time to time talking about the different things that happened back in the in the, in the the days of the Civil Rights Movement and things that were going on when, when uh, Dr. King was alive. And he he doesn't hear about that kind of thing in school. He's not taught about it. If, you, if the parents don't teach the children now, they don't know it because it's not something that is focused on in school. I think a lot of times what our society does is they say, okay, well, we've, we've moved, we've, we've come past that. Uh, race, we, the country's not racist. I mean, especially people who don't deal with racism tend to feel like racism isn't there. But if you're actually of a different race, then you usually see it a little bit more than everybody else. And oh, it is still there. And we have to sh- make sure that everyone is aware of it and that they're dealing with that. And, listen, it couldn't be spoken better than that. I'll tell you this. Cliff, uh, Dennis, what are, you, what are your thoughts on this? It seems like now parents have to have, it seems to be, a greater talk with their children now than 1960. Oh, absolutely. When you, when you look at the fact that former Attorney General uh, Eric Holt, he stood up before the nation and said he had to sit down and talk to his kids about what you do when a police officer comes around you as a as a young black man. That the fact that that conversation has, has to been, happen has happened now. A police officer is supposed to be there to protect and serve. Why do you have you tell your kids be careful when a threat? Uh, is around when you say okay if you see somebody's dog loose not on a chain go climb a tree if you see a coyote you see a, a mountain lion this get indoors you should not have to warn your children that when you see a police officer you want to immediately get your hands out make sure that the officer can see your head if you got a hoodie take that off if you're driving in a car put both hands out the window the mm. fact that we as a society still have to have that conversation with our kids shows how far we yeah. still have to go. How far we still yeah. have to go. And, and you were talking about the, uh, you know, the, the day set aside for Dr. King's birthday. The same fight. I remember the fight with President Reagan to get Martin Luther King's birthday on the book. The, the, the fact that that fight had to happen and we still have to have these same conversations with our children shows that the nation is so close to where it was when we yes. first began to try to fight for civil rights. And Dennis, you um, being a veteran, uh, 
and for, for fighting for this country, serving for this country, if you will. Um, it, it does seem very strange that America seems more nervous now. See, back in 1960 and during the Civil Rights Movement, we knew what we was knew. going on. Exactly. We know what to expect. We knew not to walk into that restaurant and ask for a piece of pie at the front of the store without getting your head beat in. We understood that. We understood <laughs> that you don't just go to the front of the bus and sit down without, you know, you, you just knew that. The danger of today's society and where the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King is, is this. These people hide behind mats of justice. They hide behind uniforms that is supposed to protect. Exactly. So that is why the conversation goes deeper now. Because you don't have to, we know who we have to deal with with our enemies. Right. Now you have to look for the guy that pats you on the head and say, son, I'm the policeman. And you know what? That's a, your the, the thing that, uh, that they hide behind the most is the fact that they're supposed to be equal justice for all. Absolutely. They hide behind that mantra that that, uh, you know, just like with the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. the police officers want to say police lives matter. Well, sure, your life matters. But as a police officer, you're not in danger of just being shot because you walk down the street in any neighborhood. As a black man to to have to steal. I remember as a kid growing up as a teenager. Sure, we were afraid of the police. And it's like, OK, they will. Uh, for the most part, do anything to you that they want to. to for that still to be going on is a tragedy for you. For there to have to be a Black Lives Matter movement says Absolutely. that there is a great portion of Black America that feels like Black Lives don't matter. That's now, why the movement started. And exactly right. So the foundation of Dr. King is to say that we count. Exactly. We count. To say that we count. So Black Lives Matter is an extension of the dream of Dr. King. It's to say we do matter. Exactly. We have a voice. We have a vote. There is controversy in Congress now about the Voters Act. I served this country for 20 years in the military, and I gave it all I had. It wasn't. I didn't give it for... Uh, black American, white American, you know, uh, all these different nationalities. I gave it for Americans. Mm-hmm. And, and it's sad to say, I can truly say this with, 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 with truth. If I got pulled over today, I'm t- I, I, I am telling you, I will make sure that the police officers see my hands because I don't have the confidence that even though I serve my country, but there's a thing we got to look at. I'm black. Well, Dennis, I got news for you. They can see your hands. They have folks running away from an ish- from the cops getting shot in the back with eight warning shots. Amazing. Well, they have college campus security guards killing people, shooting and killing people because your license plate is not on the front. Uh, well, wow. no, he said right because you didn't have a you didn't have a front, front license plate on the front of the car. What is that to do to That's you amazing. as a security guard? Because of the fact that I'm black, you feel like any reason that I can find to confront you and eventually shoot you, that is, that is law enforcement's position. And that that is sick. And then to say, well, no, uh, you, you have to realize things have changed. Uh, black people have the same rights as, as white. Yeah. For you to say that, you have not lived a day in black society. 
Well, tonight, uh, folks, I'll tell you what, we're going to be hearing some excerpts from Dr. Some of, uh, Martin Luther King's speeches, uh, things that he said. Uh, we're going to be uh, getting into that. Uh, some of those are, are going to probably, hopefully, when I heard him speaking, it is without question that Dr. King spoke from the heart to bring change to this country. Uh, and he actually knew uh, that his life was getting ready to end. And Lamont, I wanted to just add one thing to sure. what was being said earlier. Uh, as far as the police officers go, we have a lot of corrupt police officers, but we also have a lot of good police officers that don't that aren't out there to hurt people. I They're agree. actually out there to do their job, to do what they've been hired to do, and they're actually trying to protect. They're trying to do their job. And yes. I think a lot of I think they they kind of all get sometimes lumped into the same boat. Sure. When they're not all, that's not everybody. That's not every policeman. We have a lot of good policemen out there that are trying to do what's right, that are that don't have negative feelings toward African-American people. They don't feel like they're any different. They don't treat them any different. Sure. But then you've got the, the others that make the rest of them look bad when, when people look at it. As a nation, they look up and they say, we have all these, all these corrupt officers. We have all these bad police officers. Sure. They're not all bad. There are a lot of good no, ones absolutely. out there. Lisa, absolutely, and uh, and to that point, Lisa, a few I think I think it was during the holiday season. Uh, I saw a report on CBS News uh, where there were uh, yeah that there, there were actually officers uh, pulling up pulling people over uh, and doing things nice for them, and you saw oh, wow. uh, the and this was white <laughs> or black. These are white cops uh, hugging black women and black men and saying, "Hey, Merry Christmas." So uh, to that point, and, and don't and Lisa, thank you for that. Uh, for that add-on there, because we don't ever want to put exactly. everybody in the same boat. And I think the problem is, the tone of America is because it takes one at bad apple to get lumped into the whole... I mean, you know what I mean? It takes I one. I agree. And so, as again, we are about justice. We are about uh, pulling the clothes off of those that... And we don't mean that literally, but we, we are about <laughs> uh, exposing the corruption in this country, uh, but by no means do we not honor and respect the police officers that have lost their lives, that have laid down their lives in the in the in the line of duty? Uh, so we uh, we definitely uh, appreciate that point, Lisa, and and we want all our listeners to know that that's definitely uh, the truth. There, uh, right now, speaking of uh, courageous uh, officers and Sergeant Cheryl Dorsey, she's a retired sergeant for the LAPD. Uh, this is one of the good ones who did a good job there. And speaking of that, Lisa, you pivot us into this conversation uh, as we introduce one of who I believe as, as we uh, bring in, but I believe Dennis is a hero uh, of uh, law enforcement. Cheryl, are you there with us? I'm here. Thank you so much for having me. No, thank you so much for joining us, and we appreciate you. We were just making a point. Uh, that uh, America has a lot of corrupt officers, but we got some good ones that really gave their lives for the cause and count you as one of the heroes of of the police uh, in America. And we appreciate your service that you gave to the to your place there in LA. Well, I, I appreciate the sentiment, and I don't view myself as a hero. I'm just doing what's right. <laughs> you know, I'm just doing oh, what you would expect me to do. And, you know, I heard what you said about those officers that uh, you know, we're doing a, a a decent job over the holiday season and stopping people and uh, being professional and polite and, and kind. But isn't that what an officer is expected to do, supposed to do? You know, what I would like to see are those Look. officers who stand by idly while officers 
commit misconduct in their presence. I'd like to see, instead of you pulling people over and giving them a hug, how about not acquiescing uh, outrageous and egregious activity? How about not co-signing when an officer says that uh, he was drugged by a car when we know factually he wasn't? How about not standing by while officers use a prohibited chokehold uh, and kill uh, a man because he's allegedly selling cigarettes on the side of the sidewalk? How about not standing around while an officer drags a woman out of her car because she won't put out a cigarette and then leads to a situation where she's uh, found dead in a jail cell? I'd much rather see officers speak on that rather than pass out turkeys at Christmas and hug folks. That's just me. Hey, let me tell you something. Uh, uh, Cheryl, you couldn't say it any plainer than that, and I agree with that. Uh, and I think, uh, and Cheryl, let me ask you a question. I think uh, there, I don't believe the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King is dead already, but it's on life support right now. And there has to be resuscitation done to America to, uh, to bring the life of the dream back. As, you, as we reflect on Dr. King's life, uh, what are your thoughts on the condition of the nation if it comes to civil rights and condition that Dr. King has? Well, you know, I, I don't know that the dream is dead, but it's definitely circling the drain. And so we've got a, we've got a lot of work to do, and I'm not even sure if it's going to happen in my lifetime because the problems that we're seeing on a, on a national level are systemic and they're cultural, and, and they are absolutely from the top down. And what better proof of that do we have than the debacle that's going on currently in Chicago where you have yep. a police chief who was fired uh, because uh, he uh, uh, tried to hide and suppress evidence that was clearly in contradiction to the story that was put out by the officers with regard to the murder of Laquan McDonald. And so understand yep. that none of that stuff happens without uh, Mayor Emanuel knowing that police chief serves at the pleasure of the witch sure. as mayor, as do most. And so right. there's no way that he would keep that kind of information from his mayor. And there's no way that the mayor would know that a video exists and say, oh, no, don't show it to me because it could be bad. And so we see now at least two examples in Laquan McDonald, and then we have uh, the young man, uh, Cedric Chapman, I believe, uh, who was murdered in Chicago in 2013 with a video recently released. And so when you see that this stuff is top down, how do you root out the problem? It's a, it's, it's yeah. systemic. Uh, there's no accountability. You know, I understand today that the family of Sam DeBose was thrown large sums of money. Why? Because taxpayers are putting that bill. And so until people get outraged about that, uh, why would I want to pay a police department after they've killed my son? Exactly. People have to really start looking at what is it going to take, and it's going to take legislation to change that, but what is it going to take to hold officers personally accountable. Let's no, absolutely. do something about that police officer's bill of rights that allows an officer to get under the umbrella of a department, not suffer any consequence, be given the gift of resignation like Tim Lohman in Cleveland, and then move from department to department, wreaking havoc and leaving a trail of death and destruction as they go. No, no without question, Cheryl. Cheryl, we're having a little bit of a difficulty uh, hearing you a little bit. Folks, our listeners out there across America, I believe, uh, Cheryl, you're actually at a different location, a public location right now? Yes, I am, and uh, it's a little noisy. There's probably some background noise that are you're you, hearing. Are, are you able to step out for a few minutes and then we'll let you go, or do or what do you? would that work for you? Yes. 
I will. I will. Okay, we appreciate that. Yes. Uh, okay. Area where it's a little quieter. No, thank you so much. And uh, to our listeners, we apologize for that. Uh, this is the world of technology, and folks are out busy and on track. So we're trying to get some better uh, clarity because I believe what Cheryl is talking about is critical. Absolutely. Uh, and her thoughts, I don't want any of that missed in any uh, noise that may be there. Cheryl, are you there? Okay, she's trying to she's, she's trying to step to a quieter location. We'll see where she is. Uh, but to her point, Dennis, um, I mean, she tells it like it is. Oh, straight. Uh, yeah. And she said it's circling the drain. And it, you know, if you if you're uh, in your kitchen or your bathroom and the uh, water is circling, it's about over. Uh, the sink exactly. is <laughs> the sink is getting ready to empty out. So that tells you a little bit of where we are uh, as a nation. It is it is honestly pretty sad. That we're even at that point. I, I agree so much with Cheryl uh, in reference to, uh, I mean, the accountability. Until yeah. America starts seeing uh, the, these, uh, these these police officers or uh, this judicial misconduct, until America starts seeing people pay for the wrong that they're doing to other citizens, I don't think there's going to be a change. Until we say, okay, if you take a life, whether you're a police officer or not, you take it wrongfully, there's a price to pay. There's that a price, price to pay. is uh, what everybody else has to pay. That, no, no, that, that, no. that person that shot somebody, everybody needs to be on the same Well, I, I, And I think it goes even deeper than that, Dennis. I think it goes to the impact of a nation, of a generation. We're not only starting or forming habits for today that are detrimental. We are setting the foundation for our children and their children. Do we want to do that? Do we want our kids living in a world of hate and discord because a person is black or white? And fear. Do do we want that? And, you know, Cheryl, I mean, she made some uh, a lot of critical statements. But one of the things, like, like you said, Dennis, the accountability of everyone who's involved in law enforcement, all the way from, you know, the officer who stands by and who was there when the crime right, of right. another law enforcement happened, all the way up to the mayor. I mean, like she, she talked about Mayor uh, Rahm Emanuel in, in Chicago. There is no way he did not know what was going on. No. The, the, chief, answers. the chief answers to the mayor and then the officer's answer to the chief. They everybody in that chain of command knows what is you know. going on. When you say, "Okay, well, this video, I, I haven't seen it," that there is no way you can convince the American people that Rahm Emanuel, you as the mayor, did not see this this uh, video where it's questionable. And I mean, they're saying that the police were telling witnesses, "No, go home. You're not even giving a statement." There's no way he didn't know that. And that is what she's talking about: the accountability that they it all it has to start at the top. Okay, and Cliff, do we have Cheryl back yet? Okay, we're still waiting on her. Uh, it's uh, and uh, we're, we're looking at it to see if we can get her back online as soon as possible. Uh, I think I think that actually makes sense, folks. We're going to come right back, try to get Cheryl back on the line with us. This is the AJC Radio program dealing with where is the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King in America today? We're looking forward. We'll be right back on the other side of the break.
ladies and gentlemen of Southern Colorado, did you know that PBR, Professional Bull Riders, is headquartered right here in Colorado? PBR is an international professional bull riding organization based in Pueblo, Colorado. In 1992, when 20 bull riders from the rodeo circuit came together to give life to a dream that they all shared, they never imagined it would be so quickly developed into what has officially been declared the fastest growing sport in America. The PBR, the riders pulled their resources, $1,000 apiece, and broke away from the confines of the rodeo format to make bull riding the most popular of the seven events in traditional rodeo, a standalone sport, and take it to major markets across the United States. Today, the visionary founders are riding a wave of popularity as the PBR continues its charge as one of the fastest growing properties in the history of sports. The concept is simple. Match the world's best bull riding athletes against the toughest animal athletes on the planet in an eight-second man versus beast duel. More than 1,200 cowboys from the U.S., Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Australia, and New Zealand hold PBR memberships. How would you like to work for this great company? We are hiring right now. We are currently looking for an associate attorney, public relations manager, social media manager, and digital project manager, to name just a few. Folks, check out our website to view more of our open positions at www.pbr.com. And you can also send an email to recruiting at pbr.com or make a phone call, if that's better, at 719-242-2800. Folks, bull riding is taking off, and it all starts with PBR. something you ever wanted to do as a child, be an astronaut, be a doctor, I always wanted to be a police officer. And there's a strong sense of pride in being a police officer. You know, not just out there just to stop people for the heck of it, it's just not logical. We no more want to accuse someone or charge somebody with a crime that they didn't do any more than they want to be charged with it. So uh, we take that responsibility, especially with sexual assaults, very seriously. I think my greatest fear uh, one of the greatest fears that many investigators experience is, is uh, convicting the wrong person. As police officers, one of the things that we're always very concerned about is uh, the potential that we have for, put, for putting an innocent person into jail if we do not do our job properly. And the end product for us is to know that we did our job properly and that justice is being done. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to AJC Radio. Tonight we honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as we look and ask the question, where is the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King in America today? And we've had the opportunity uh, to have uh, Cheryl Dorsey, former sergeant uh, of the LAPD, and she's joining us right now back. Cheryl, are you there with us? 
here. Can you hear me a little bit better now? Oh, thank you so very much. I appreciate that. We don't mean to interrupt supper time. We know how important that is. <laughs> That's uh, okay. So we're not going to hold you too long so you can get to the biscuits and potatoes, and uh, we're going <laughs> to deal with <laughs> We're going to go ahead and, uh, uh, to your point, Cheryl, I think your points that you make are so profoundly important. The statement I made moments ago, uh, Dennis and Cliff and Lisa, we were sharing, is that the actions of the corrupt officers out of the good ones lays a foundation not just for today. This is for our children and our children's children. Do we want to build a foundation on hate? and discord and all of the things that we see i think america has to look at the problem at that level that this is just not about 2026 this is not just about 2016 this is about a lifetime of our kids what challenges will they face as we search for the dream well you know and i think that's a real concern and again i'm going to go back to the situation in uh Chicago right now, because I don't know if you're aware of this, but, you know, there were two young men that were in the company of uh, Cedric Chapman when he was shot and killed by that officer, and those two young men are currently serving time in prison for his murder, because they were convinced to cop a plea to something uh, that would probably get them less time had they gone before a jury, or better yet, had a jury found out what really went on on scene, they may have just dismissed the thing altogether. So these young men, the prosecutor, the defense attorney, were all complicit, I believe, in convincing these young men to commit, uh, to agree to this plea. So, I mean, here we have two lives, and maybe there's some criminality in their past. I'm not saying that these aren't bad doers, but then let the chips fall where they may. And so if we understand that Cedric... Chapman should have never been shot and killed. These two young men should not be serving prison time right now for his murder. And so it's long-reaching. It affects these young men. It affects their families. It affects uh, those to come because I promise you this is not the first time that that agency, those prosecutors, those attorneys hummed somebody into jail. And that's police talk for putting somebody into jail when you really don't have a legitimate reason. Right. Absolutely. And, and that is the thing that I think gets me the most, Cheryl, is that uh, you you look at you look at the hierarchy, you look at <clears throat> law enforcement and the mayor of Chicago, and the fact that they expect the American people to just accept the fact that well, the mayor didn't know what was going on, the police chief didn't know what was going on. Oh, this video, uh, you know, it surfaced just now. There is no way that we as the American people should or can just sit back and say, well, we have to take that for the truth because a law enforcement officer said it. If we continue to go down that path without doing our own research, without understanding the way that law enforcement does its business and digging into it and saying there will be accountability from the rookie deputy all the way up to the commissioner and to the mayor, that is the way that it should happen. This, the country is built on laws made by the people for the people, and that has to that has to trickle all the way down to every citizen and all the way down all the way up to 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 every person who has any type of executive order. It just has to, otherwise we live in a tyranny. And, and sure. Well, you know what I would say I would say to Mayor Emanuel the same thing that they used to preach to us on the LAPD, which is if you didn't know, you should have known. Because there right. is absolutely no way that a patrol sergeant out in the field would have kept that information from his watch commander. His watch commander, being a lieutenant and above, would not have kept that from a captain. He certainly would have been called out to an officer-involved shooting that resulted in a fatality. And like I said, it's unconscious.
unconscionable to even infer that a chief of police would not share that information and that video with Mayor Rahm Emanuel. I'm not no. buying it. No, and I absolutely agree with that. Uh, uh, Cheryl, your your viewpoint, and I'm going to get one last point for you, and then we're going to let you go to have supper, uh, and we appreciate your insight, and we'll definitely invite you back to come on. Uh, how, where do we go from here? 2016, an election year, a new president, new members of Congress. What steps do we take today, in your opinion, to find the dream of Dr. King? I think that people need to reach out to their congressperson. I think legislators must be involved. I have personally traveled to D.C., as I think some of you know, to meet with members of the Judiciary Committee because those are the congressional members that are responsible for legislation as it relates to law enforcement. And so people need to start writing letters, fax and email, phone call, uh, talk to these candidates uh, that are looking for our votes later in this year with regards to changing the policies, the procedures on a national level, and then they need to create a situation where there is accountability on a personal level, where these officers who uh, take lives in violation of shooting policies and procedures have them suffer some of that financial consequence. And then lastly, and most importantly, I think officers should have psychological evaluations I'm just saying every three years, because where there's smoke, there's fire. If we find that an officer is not thinking properly, is not valuing the lives of the people that they serve, then they need to be removed from that occupation and not allowed to be a police officer on another police department. They should not be able to move around like NBA players do from team to team, like Tim Lohman did from uh, one police department over to Cleveland Police Department that ultimately resulted in the death of Tamir Rice. Had Cleveland done their due diligence, perhaps Tamir Rice would be alive today. Well, Cheryl, I'll tell you what, you are a pleasure to listen to. We believe in, in what you're doing. We, you have a ally, if you will, in AJC Radio and a just cause. Thank you so much for taking some time tonight. As I listen to you talk, I'm wondering if we'll see a presidential bid in the next 12 years or so. Uh, uh, but, uh, hey, you know what? You, you move where strength is, and uh, you definitely show that uh, that to us. We appreciate you so much. Go enjoy your dinner. Thank you so much. We will be in touch. And uh, thanks for honoring our show tonight and gracing, gracing us with your presence tonight. We appreciate that thoroughly. Thank you for allowing me an opportunity to speak. I look forward to talking to you again. Okay, take care of yourself. And, folks, there you have it. Okay, thanks. Have a good night. Uh, Folks, Cheryl Dorsey, former sergeant uh, for the LAPD, uh, I tell you what, it doesn't get straighter than that. Uh, But what she says, Cliff, Lisa, Dennis, is very, very true. Uh, you got to call it what it is because you're never going to change it. You know, if you you put on a a mismatch tie, with your suit and you're standing in the mirror and your wife doesn't tell you, honey, the tie just doesn't go, uh, and you go out and you're the laughing stock of the office, uh, it doesn't do you any good. That's right. And, and what we have to understand is that there has to be exposed. I mean, I mean, to your point, Mike, if if when your kid puts their shoe on the wrong foot as, as a little toddler, sure. if you never tell them, hey, baby, you got your shoes on the wrong feet, switch them, they will grow up as an adult with their shoes on the wrong feet. And that is what is going on in law enforcement is that nobody has corrected them. Nobody has said, hey, if you see your fellow officer 
committing some type of transgression, beating down a citizen, say something. Instead, no. Uh, you hide him behind the blue cloak, and he's going to hide you behind the blue cloak. We cannot continue with that. And just like Cheryl said, there is no way that the that the higher ups, all the way up to mayor no. uh, to Mayor Rahm Emanuel, there's no way they didn't know about what was well, going look, on. Well, uh, look, that's what needs to be exposed. Yeah, Cliff, we need that dialogue. Exactly, that dialogue has to happen, and she doesn't. Look, folks, right now we are honored to have uh, Gwen Clark Garner. Uh, she is the mother. Uh, of uh, of Eric Gardner, we're going to be bringing her bringing her on here momentarily, and uh, a gracious lady, we had the opportunity, Lisa, uh, to speak with her uh, uh, this past summer. And uh, Gwen, how are you tonight? I'm good. How about you? How are you? We're doing well. Such a pleasure, Gwen, to talk to you. I talked to you some months ago, and uh, we're honored to have you to share a little bit of insight. As we reflect on the life of Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, how are you hanging in there? Well, it's one day at a time, but I'm doing my best, and I'm still trying to fight the good fight. Well, that's all we can do, right? That's all. Okay, we appreciate you so much. And, and Gwen, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. I promise not to hold you too long. I know it's about 9 o'clock there on the East Coast. Uh, I don't know if supper's Mm -hmm. done for you yet or not. Uh, but, oh yeah, uh, I've been. Ha- I had supper a few hours ago. <laughs> okay, well, okay. So we're gonna make sure we don't keep you too long. But a question mm-hmm. for you, uh, Gwen, is as you have experienced what you have, uh, as we reflect on Dr. King, the question tonight we're asking in the, of this show: Where is the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King today in America? Where is it? Is it lost? You've experienced some tragedies that are uncomprehendable. Um, yes, I have. Mm-hmm. Tell us your thoughts on where the dream is today as, a, as in regards to what you have gone through in the past couple of years. Well, as uh, far as I can see it, Martin Luther King had a dream, and his dream was very positive. And, okay, my son was killed by men who were supposed to protect him. And they choked him to death. And to me, that's just modern day lynching. Because he did not deserve to die. He sold those cigarettes on the street, but that's not a death sentence. Exactly. Okay. And and, and, and mm-hmm. Miss Garner, are you at a location? We, we we're having some difficulties hearing you a little bit. Um, are you at a location where you maybe have some interference there? I don't knock and move to another room. Let me see if I can. Um, can yeah, you I, hear I, me better now? Yeah, that's a lot yeah, clearer. Uh, and I, I oh, think what, okay. you're saying, yeah, what you're saying is so critically important. I don't want any of that to get missed uh, by, our, by our listeners. Thank you so much for that. Um, so, yeah, continue if I interrupt you. I apologize. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just saying that my son was killed by people who were supposed to protect him. And that's a modern-day lynching is the way I feel about that. But Martin Luther King, he had a positive dream. And the only way, I think, to keep that dream alive is for us as a people. We have to unite, and we have to take up the torch. Martin Luther King is no longer here, but his values are. No, absolutely. I agree with you to that. mm -hmm. Yes. And, so and, we have to honor that. Mm-hmm. 
And what would you say, uh, uh, Gwen, to the folks out there who may have, you know, your particular situation with Eric was uh, publicized. But as you notice, the people, I was watching something uh, on the news about the death toll in Chicago on a daily basis. The Ooh, people it's staggering. There. So there's a lot of people living that nightmare. If you had something yes. to say to them, what do you say to try to stir hope in the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King that we can go forward? Well, we got to keep this thing alive. We can't let it die. We have to keep on pushing forward because if we let it die, we have to we have to um, toot our loved one's horn. He can't do it or she can't do it anymore, so we have to be his voice or her voice. So if we unite and we go about it in the right way, we have to draw awareness. My son did draw a lot of awareness around the world, around you know, around the nation, around the world, and I am so thankful. I thank God for that. So now even though people didn't really pay things any attention before, but now that they've seen him getting choked on video with their own eyes, they see that this is actually happening. This is not just what people are saying, or this is not something that we're just complaining about. This is real. No, absolutely. And uh, I'll tell you right now, uh, and my heart goes out to the families. You know, you're starting to really get a picture. When I was researching Dr. King, um, you, you start to wonder if he was here how his heart would be broken for oh, what we would see. Wouldn't it? Oh, um, yes. We, and I agree with you. We have to keep pressing forward. No matter how dim, uh, how uh, bad it looks or how it looks like, do we, are we ever going to get out of this hole that we're in as a country? Will we ever have hate gone? And one thing about hate, you can't murder hate away. You can't uh, lock hate uh-uh. up. Uh-uh. Uh, it mm. remains free. On the streets yes. of America, we make the decision. I, I made a point when I was a little kid. Uh, I had the habit of going out and just shaking somebody's hand and saying, "Hey, you want to be friends?" And my sisters uh-huh. used to laugh at me and tease me when I did that as a little kid. But you know what? Uh-huh. You go to a playground today and you see two kids in a sandbox, black and white. They don't uh-huh. know the difference. They just want somebody to touch them. That's it, true. Somebody at home has to tell you that black man right there is bad. Stay away uh-huh. from him. They talk that uh-huh. Kids don't come into the world hating one another, but somebody has to lead them down the path of hate. And that's this so is, true. This is the problem with America. And I don't want to see our kids, our grandkids live in a society worse than what Dr. King had experienced. But if we don't change course, we're headed down that road. You've heard oh, of it. Yes. You know what I mean? And that's something that we have to deal with as as, as folks. So uh, right now, uh, um, Gwen, I'm going to bring in uh, a friend, someone that you know, uh, Wanda Johnson. Um, uh-huh. uh, we're going yes. uh, to bring her in. Uh, she had called in to have some comments, and we're going to, while we're waiting to get her in, uh, if you had something uh, to say, let, let me pause that question because I want to bring her in because I'm going to ask her the same question. Wanda, are you with us? Yes, I am. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hello. 
uh, good to have you tonight as we reflect on Dr. King and and some of the things that you had dealt with uh, in your life. Uh, we had you on the show before. We appreciate you taking a few moments tonight to share with us. If we could talk to you with regard to Dr. Martin Luther King's dream, what are your thoughts of where we are in America today as a result of that? As we search um, for that. In America, we still have a long way to go. I often think about the message that Dr. King wrote in February 28, 1954. It was called Rediscovering Lost Values. And in that message, he said that there was something fundamentally wrong with our world. And mm-hmm. he, went on to, he went on to talk about how because the lack of love, the loss of love, our society has increased with killings and robbings and joblessness and home invasions and all those type of things. And as we look at 1954 and we look at 2016 today, we still see the hate spirit roaming around our community. Um, And that spirit is um, creating and causing um, people to kill one another without having a second thought about taking a life away. Um, And that is from not just citizens killing each other, but it's also law enforcement as well. And so looking back and thinking about how different it is, um, we just have the video that we didn't have maybe 10 to 20 years ago. Um, It was happening then. We just didn't see it. But now that we have Mm -hmm. technology, we see it occurring, and we see it occurring at a more frequent rate. No, and I, I agree with you on that. And uh, uh, both of you ladies are extraordinary women that have endured the storm uh, of life. And we, as, as uh, uh, Gwen alluded to earlier, taking things one day at a time, healing. Uh, I think it would be a better place of healing if the nation could come together in love and in unity. I think that just helps. I believe that, oh, too. Yeah. I, I truly believe that the majority... Uh, the majority can win, and I think right now the majority of Americans do love. Uh, and I think that their love for life, if, if we could get everybody, if we could get that majority to scream, to yell, to shout, are, are just content with, you know, with what's going on in this country, I, I think we can win this. I truly do believe that. But until uh, until we get off this, this, this thing where it has to happen to me, before I react, no, no, it happened to my brother, it happened to my sister, it happened to my friend. I, I'm a, I, I, I am going to make my move now, make my voice heard now, before it happens to my family. No, absolutely. And um, yes. uh, Gwen and Wanda, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, I'd like to come back and bring you folks with some closing remarks, if you would, to speak to uh, the, uh, the, the America that's listening. Because I believe your message is a very serious one. And I want to give you an opportunity to think about what would you say to America, to our young people, as we plan on, to move on a journey this year, an election year in this country, where a new president will occupy Pennsylvania Avenue. Members of Congress, new members will be there. As we set out on a journey, as America stands at a crossroad of decision, 
I'd like to hear your your thoughts of what you would say to the American people and to our youth today. Can you come back on the other side of the break? Oh, sure. We appreciate that. Okay, folks, right now, and what I'm finding and in, in what we're seeing in researching, white America's concerned about it. Exactly. Black America, Hispanic, every race everywhere is concerned about the racial divide in this country right now. Everybody's concerned. And everybody is speaking about it. Uh, a couple of years ago, Bill Clinton, former President Bill Clinton, spoke on the I Have a Dream 50th anniversary. We're going to go to break with that clip when we come back. We continue the discussion here on AJC Radio. Where is the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King in America today? We're coming right back. Hang in there with us. Mr. President, this is Obama, President Carter, Vice President Biden, Dr. Biden. I want to thank my great friend, Reverend Bernice King, and the King family for inviting me to be a part of this 50th observation of one of the most important days in American history. Dr. King and A. Philip Randolph, John Lewis and Bayard Rustin, Dorothy Height, Burley Evers, Daisy Bates, and all the others who led this massive march knew what they were doing on this hallowed ground. In the shadow of Lincoln's statue, the burning memory of the fact that he gave his life to preserve the Union and end slavery. Martin Luther King urged his crowd not to drink from the cup of bitterness, but to reach across the racial divide. Because, he said, we cannot walk alone. Their destiny is tied up with our destiny. Their freedom is inextricably bound to our freedom. He urged the victims of racial violence to meet white Americans with an outstretched. When does it stop being partly cloudy and start being partly sunny? Why is the word abbreviation so long? Are English muffins just muffins in England? Why is it called a washing line and not a drying line? Do fish get thirsty? If ghosts can walk through doors, why don't they fall through floors? Do you yawn when you sleep? If prunes are dried plums, how do they make prune juice? Why do doctors leave the room when you change? They're going to see you naked anyway. Do bald chefs wear hairnets? How much deeper would the ocean be if all the sponges were taken out? Do you believe someone who says they're a chronic liar? Why is sandwich bread square and sandwich meat round? Life's full of hard questions. Ask one more. You might just save a life.
father. I'm a sister. A registered nurse. I serve my country in the United States military. I'm your neighbor. I sit next to you at church. And my child was arrested, held in custody, questioned without my knowledge, exposed to violence, witnessed to rape, placed in solitary confinement, unable to call or see me, shackled to a wall, beaten, sentenced as an adult at age 17, sentenced as an adult at age 16, sentenced as an adult at age 15. We felt lost, isolated, ostracized, misjudged, terrified. And in the absence of all hope, my child took his own life. And then I found the Alliance for Youth Justice. They gave me the support and resources to get through one of the most difficult times in my life. Now I know I'm not alone. And neither are you. Now we have a voice. Now we have power. In numbers. In numbers. In numbers. We can make a difference. There are approximately 2 million children in the juvenile and criminal justice system in this country. These are the faces of those families. If you are the family member of a child who has been in the justice system, or if you are someone who supports this movement and is ready to make a difference, visit the Campaign for Youth Justice at www.campaignforyouthjustice.org. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. This is Lamont. I'm Lamont Banks. Excuse me, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt. And I'll tell you right now, folks. Tonight we ask one very serious question: Where's the dream of Dr. Martin Luther King as we celebrate his birthday and we remember the legend, the man that impacted a nation for justice and for equality? We're in search for that dream tonight. And, folks, I hate to tell you, uh, Cheryl uh, Dorsey said it best, the water's circling the drain on that dream, and we have to somehow find it, and that is the purpose of our show tonight. Uh, We have been uh, graciously uh, allowed to have um, uh, Wanda Johnson uh, along with uh, Gwen Carr-Garner, two ladies that have been on this program before that have suffered enormous tragedies in a world of... uh, uh, where it's not equal justice. We have found a world of, of definitely unequal justice in America, and we thank you. Uh, Wanda and, and Gwen, thanks for being with us uh, back on the program tonight. Yes, thank you for having us. Okay, and we appreciate Yeah, you're very, very welcome, folks, and uh, we're very uh, honored to have you folks. The question I pose to you folks, and I don't want to hold you too much longer, and we appreciate everything that you guys have endured, what you set out to do in, in, in the midst of tragedy uh, to bring awareness to the American people what equality really is. Uh, we see that being done in the work uh, that you folks are doing, and we, we're very appreciative of that, and, and we, uh, we, we salute you really uh, in that fact. Uh, I'm going to give both of you an opportunity to say what you want to say to America as we uh, get finish this segment of the show uh, in regards to what you ladies have personally endured uh, and I'll start with you, uh, Gwen, first. What would you say to America, to our youth, uh, as we set out on another journey, as we look for the dream of Dr. King? How do we go forward from here? 
Well, I would first say to them, please learn all you can, be educated, walk with intelligence in lieu of ignorance. And that goes for everyday life or if you come in if you encounter a police situation and please try to stay away from the police but just in case you do i mean at least know your rights know how to conduct yourself and as you were saying too about the election year that's you know upon us america pick your candidates very carefully. If your candidates are not bringing anything to the table that's going to benefit you, leave them alone and look at another candidate. There's a lot of candidates out there that's looking for higher positions, that wants to be elected, but it's up to you. It's up to us, and we should pick the best candidate possible because we see this world that we're in now with all this uh injustice, all this unevenness, we are in serious trouble, and we have a lot of work to do. So, first of all, all everybody, get out there and vote. We need your votes. And thank you so much for that, Gwen, and, and you take those words very much to heart. Wanda, what do you say to the American people? One of the things that I would say to the American people is that as American people, we have a real problem. And in order to solve the problem of hate and racism that we are facing throughout our country, it must require that we look deep within ourselves. And as we look deep within ourselves, confront our fears and our um, hatred toward one another and overshadow that, learn to overshadow that with being able to love one another because we have been given a charge that America's principles that has has been founded on, that all men are created equal. And so if we are truly created equal, then we must come to a place where we can love one another despite the color of our skin, despite our education background, despite our financial uh, stability. We must learn to come together and love one another and work together as one to build a greater country than what we already live in. And thank you so much for that. Uh, Wanda, Gwen, thank you for gracing us tonight with your presence. Thank you so much for what you do. Our prayers and thoughts continue to go with you and your families as you get go on uh, from the tragedies that you folks have faced. We appreciate your words. I'm sure the American people, uh, Dennis, appreciate their words. Ladies, have a good night. Be safe wherever you are tonight, and uh, God bless, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch, okay? Hey, thank, thank you, you so much, and thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, uh, two statements that shape a nation, uh, and I believe words of wisdom uh, that, uh, that we must try to uh, apply in our lives is very, very critical. Uh, and I think it's important that we pay attention uh, to the things that they're talking about. Um, so as we, g- again, begin to reflect on Dr. Martin Luther King, Dennis, when you hear the ladies talk, they speak from a place of sincere pain, yes. honestly. Yes. 
Yes, and uh, you know when when Wanda, I mean, excuse me, not Wanda. When Gwen said, "Stay away from the police," that's not words you normally hear. Uh, at least you're not supposed to hear that. You're supposed to say, "Run to the police Run. for that's help." When you, help when you make a statement, stay away. But she she lived a nightmare. Her own son killed by the police. You can't expect any other response from her. Exactly, and and that's because uh, deadly force. It's no longer a last resort. Uh, and that just is amazing to me. Uh, in the Marine Corps, I learned that if ever I had to uh, engage someone with a weapon, with a firearm, uh, I was to engage to first disable them or bring them to a place where I could, you know, apprehend or do what I needed to do. But that's that's no longer. Now it's, no longer. it's, it's shoot to kill. Shoot to kill. And uh, you know what? What's amazing is that Dr. Martin Luther King uh, made a statement. He said that he believed um, that his dream turned into a nightmare before he died. Wow. We're going to hear what Dr. King had to say about that. Folks, listen up. I have a dream. My poor little children one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I must confess that uh, that dream that I had that day has at many points turned into a nightmare. Now, I'm not one to lose hope. I keep on hoping. Uh, I still have faith in the future. But I've had to analyze many things over the last few years, and I would say over the last few months. I've gone through a lot of soul-searching and agonizing moments, and I've come to see that uh, we have uh, many more difficult days ahead, and some of the old optimism was a little superficial, and now it must be tempered with a solid realism. And I think the realistic fact is that we still have a long, long way to go and that we are involved in a war on Asian soil, uh, which, if not checked and stopped, can poison the very soul of our nation. I'm not going to say that all of our problems will be solved if the war in Vietnam is ended, but I do say that the war makes it infinitely more difficult to deal with these problems. Uh, when a nation becomes obsessed with the guns of war, uh, it loses its social perspective and programs of social uplift suffer. This is just a, a fact of history so that we do face many more difficulties uh, as a result of the war. It's much more difficult to really arouse a conscience during the time of war. That is something about a war like this that makes people insensitive. It dulls a conscience. It strengthens the forces of reaction. And it brings into being bitterness and hatred and violence. I think the biggest problem now is that we got our gains over the last 12 years at bargain rates, so to speak. It didn't cost the nation anything. In fact, it helped the economic And, uh, folks, there you have it. Uh, Dr. King, not preaching, but interviewing. And you heard what he said, Dennis, at the beginning. He's telling this reporter that he had to face some realities. 
This is before he died. Mm. And if you listen to Dr. King, and 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 uh, you normally hear him upbeat and he's preaching and he's he's done and he's did done all of that. But at this particular moment, he said, "I had to face some realities that we have a long." He said that then, and when you hear in his voice, the reason uh, it sounds unrecognizable because you didn't hear that from Dr. King. But he found he came to a place and he talked about the struggles, the fights, the battles. It sounded like he was tired. He sounded tired of the sounded tired. You know what I mean? And little did we know he was at the end of his journey. Uh, But it's, it's somewhat disheartening to look at America today after all of the price, the jail. How many times Dr. King went to jail, the marches that he did, the things Coming home to his wife and his kids and being hated and, and, and talked about and threatened. And ladies and gentlemen of America, it is very critical that that price tag not be in vain. What are we going to do, Dennis? What are we going to do? We got to keep fighting. We got we to keep fighting. You know, somebody's got to step up. Somebody's got to say, you know what? You're tired. I'm not tired. And until we get that attitude, until we start seeing the, 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 you know, the results of the fight, we, got, we have to keep fighting. We can't stop. Cliff, I sit here tonight at the emotion here in the studio, uh, being uh, a very somber one. Um, this is serious stuff. Um, your thoughts on, on what we've heard tonight as we've tried to bring some honor to Dr. King and the, you know what it looks like we're facing a mountain what yeah, do we do definitely I mean uh, me personally since I've been probably 18 years old every older black gentleman that I've run into I've asked them you know who picked up because I, I wasn't I wasn't alive when Dr. King died but I've asked most black men older than me I said who picked up the mantle after Dr. King died who is supposed to be leading the black people now? Who Who is it that, as a civil rights activist, is a young black man? Like I said, since I was 18, who am I supposed to be following? And I have not been able to get an answer on that. Before. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'll be 45 this year. So for over 25 years, I've been asking this question. And I'm not getting an answer. And I still... I mean, still asking it to this day of, of uh, older black men, older than myself, and they still can't give me an answer. And to me, that is uh, sad and tragic, but it must open our eyes to say we all have to become an advocate exactly. for civil rights. We all have to say we're for equal justice. Every every American citizen has to say we have to do our part exactly. to ensure that there's equal justice for all that the dream of, of Dr. King does not die. I mean, Cheryl said it's going down the drain. We've got to find some way to plug that drain and salvage what's remaining of his dream in some kind of way, bring it to fruition before, you know, it's just a, uh, before it's just a, a memory, a thought of the past. No, without question, Cliff, couldn't be said better than that. Lisa, uh, a woman's point of view uh, speaks volumes. Uh as you uh, look at, listen to the ladies talking tonight, um, I would wonder as a mother 
as a as a young woman in today's society, uh, when you hear the women speak, their hearts, they lost both of their sons. What would what are your thoughts on as we search for this dream of uh, with Dr. King and the direction of this nation? Lamont, I think it's something that we can never stop fighting for. I think it's going to be an ongoing fight uh, from now till probably the end of time because it's not something that it's not something you can force on people. The people have their their own personal issues and their own uh, their own racist ways and thoughts. You can't always change that. So if that's what people feel, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. But I think it's something that we should never, ever, ever stop fighting for. I, I was looking at an article uh, today that was talking about uh, how the effect was changed since Martin Luther King King's death, and they were saying that uh, he had a vision of a society where race wasn't an issue and how people were treated or how they were allowed to live their lives. But it's a sad fact of today's society that King's vision is not a reality in America or anywhere else in the world, and that's absolutely true. It's it's not a reality. It's just. It's it's something that he, he was willing to fight and die for, which I think we don't have that anymore. We don't have a black leader that's out there that of that kind of quality, that's willing to do whatever it takes. I will say that will just say anything that needs to be said, that is willing to say, Hey, you know what? If it's co- if it costs me my life, then it costs me my life, but I'm not gonna stop. I think people have as a whole I think African American people, the leaders that are out there, they're more the ones that I've seen, I'll just say that. I'm not going to say it to everybody, but the ones that I've seen, it, it seems to be more about promoting their own careers and their own uh, their own thoughts and their own their own goals, whatever they have in mind, as opposed to actually just fighting for what's right and what's just as far as what Dr. King was fighting for. They're not willing to stand up and say wrong is wrong no matter how it comes, and I'm, and I'm not going to I'm not going to back down. People back down so quick because they get afraid. No, I mean, when Dr. King was was killed, was assassinated, you didn't hear anything from anybody. From what I mean, I listened to talk to my mother about this, and I hear things that she says, and how nobody stepped in and took up that mantle to do the same thing that he was doing. There are people that have come in and tried to make little changes here and there, but no one has taken that full mantle and tried to pick it up and say what his dream, what he was fighting for. We cannot stop. We cannot let that die don't have a strong leader that's out there that's fighting for that. They're not doing it. And that's, that's I mean, you hit it You hit it right on the point, Lisa. It's just that, uh, as uh, uh, Cliff was saying also, I guess we all have to grab a part of that mantle. And, and I truly believe that, uh, you know, uh, strength is in groups. Uh, the more people you have for a specific cause, the stronger you are. So if, if we all grab a hold of that mantle that that that, that our so-called leaders uh, fail to to you know to want to do, I still believe I truly believe it that we if we start holding people accountable, if the majority starts saying that if if you if you're a racist you're gonna pay, if we if everybody come together and we start making people pay for the hatred, pay for the wrongdoing, pay for the injustice, pay for putting people in prison wrongfully, pay for all these things. Believe yeah. me, we're gonna we're gonna have some changes. No, without question. And I think the actions there are certain actions that happen that are a what it's it's like putting gas uh, or 
It's like causing the situation to become worse. The division, as you speak to in this country, uh, you have, and this is perception, you got these black men going before judges, being having the book thrown at them. How are you going to heal and believe that person happened to be uh, white? It's fair. You begin to form a conclusion automatically. Exactly. You begin to form a belief that they don't care. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen of America. When pain is inflicted upon you of injustice, that is a wound that is not easily healed. Not easily at all. So if you look at a population of people, we have to, Dr. King talked about addressing the poverty issue in this country. Caring, reaching out. There should not be poverty at the level that it is in this country. Not at all. There should not be. We have veterans who are suffering on on the the streets of America who fight for this freedom and for this dream that Dr. King talked about. That is disgraceful. We want to change the the, uh, culture. We want to change the environment. We want to change the mindset. We have to start loving. We have to start caring. We have to start demanding change in this country. We must demand equality. Folks, I'll tell you what, without demanding it, it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. And that means war in the sense of war against hate and all the negative things that affect the nation and a country. Uh, we are we are faced with some challenges ahead that we must deal with. Folks, on the other side of this break, um, We're getting ready to take a break. We're going to come back as we get ready to uh, close this segment of the show. Um, And we look for answers. We look for direction. We look for ways out of this hole, if you will. Hate is a horrible thing. And to hate a person based upon the color of one skin, that is that is the sickest. You're talking about sick? The only thing that makes me and you different, and really it doesn't make us different, you will kill a man for. You will, you will teach your children to hate a black man. And it goes both ways. That's right. A black man cannot teach his son or daughter to hate the white man because all white People are not racist. That's right. All white people, there are white people that march with Dr. Martin Luther King. There are white people that lost their lives, who spent time in jail with Dr. Martin Luther King. So to my white brothers, to our white sisters out there, we're, we're, we're family. That's right. Am I right? That's right. So you have people say, well, this was the first African-American. Why is that sad? Oh, this was the first black person to reach this level. As if, oh goodness, we must announce this achievement. And it shouldn't uh, be. I mean, you, this is 2016. Those those type of uh, stigmas and those type of uh, those type of records, if you want to put it that way, those type of things should have been, I mean, dispelled a long time ago. Uh, the, for the first, the first black president. 
we're past the year 2000. That should have been such a long time ago that those type of statements should not even hold any credibility, any credence anymore. Well, it, should have, it should just be passed. And you'll find when Barack Obama was voted into office, he brought every race, every religion, every culture came together and said, here we go. He's the best man for the job. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, we've come, we've made some strides, but we got to fight a lot more. Dr. King had something to say as we close this segment. We're going to go to some very famous words that he had to say. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother and I'm pretty sure that you and I experienced some of the same things with the Big Brother. Big Brothers will always be Big Brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff, but he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it? You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll-free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice 
and for all big brothers across the land. Texting while driving significantly reduces your reaction time, but you are also 10% more likely to leave your lane. This commercial was 30 seconds. That's all it takes to avoid a senseless tragedy. Congress shall make no law abridging the freedom of speech. Do you know what this means? Do you? It means you can voice your opinion without censorship or restraint. It means you can say nothing at all. It means you can debate, protest, question, contribute, whenever, wherever. Take it. Embrace it. Say it out loud. Hi, I'm an actor. And that qualifies me to talk to you about social issues. And even though my opinion is controversial, I believe that racism is wrong. Now today, what I would like you to do is take a look at your skin color and hug somebody that has a different color skin. We can stop racism together one hug at a time. Definitely ask permission before you hug somebody. Thank you. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Lamont Banks. Welcome to AJC Radio First. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt. And uh, we appreciate tonight the uh, guests that we had on the program, um, Gwen Gardner, uh, as well as Wanda, uh, and also Cheryl Dorsey. Uh, We appreciate them being on the program tonight, sharing their thoughts about the American dream and where we are as a nation in regards to Dr. Martin Luther King. When you hear that sound, Dennis, it means one thing. We begin to ask the tough questions. We begin to seek for answers about the IRP-6, what they endured, what they suffered at the hand of injustice. Why were these men a target? Why were they set out to be destroyed when all they sought out to do is to make a difference in a nation? Who are the IRP-6? Is it a fairy tale? Is is it some type of fiction story? I have news for you. It is not. David Banks, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zappolo, and Gary Walker are the six men known as the IRP-6. They have suffered injustice. Tonight we go into what you didn't know about the IRP-6. 
What you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen of America, is that the RP-6 developed software recorded by the Department of of Homeland Security were reached out to to make a difference for software that could keep America safe. What does that mean, America? That means your kids, little Johnny, that's tucked in tonight, getting ready for another day, he will sleep tonight under a cloud of suspicion. When will the attack hit the homeland? When will America be at jeopardy and our children be at risk? That's the importance of the software clip. We talked earlier. Tell the folks what happened as a result of the IRP-6, in this case, the software that could make a huge difference. Tell the folks about what we just talked about. Well, when you look at um, the the Silk software that IRP Solutions, who the IRP-6, are of, you look at that software and you say, okay, why did it come into fruition? Why did DHS go go after that software? Why did NYPD go after that software? The software was built to be a entire framework that would cover law enforcement uh, processes and procedures, to be a framework to uh, to consolidate and to collaborate information across all forms of law enforcement from local state and federal agencies would be able to communicate with each other and share information about any case that any of them were involved with. From DHS's perspective, they came up with an initiative called the Consolidated Enforcement Environment. And basically what this says is all of federal law enforcement, we want one software environment, one framework that they all can use, that everybody understands how to use, that we can all share and that we can all come together and, and, and have access to all of this information with every federal agency under the umbrella of DHS. What people don't understand is, I mean, and, and sure, other companies came in. You had Lockheed Martin, you had Motorola, you have uh, Booz and Allen, you have uh, Khaki. You had all of these, um, you know, federal uh, uh, companies that did work with, with, uh, with the government. When the Silk software was pulled off the market after the raid of IRP Solutions, that federal initiative, the Consolidated Enforcement Environment Initiative, that initiative died. Same that when Silk software was pulled out, there was there was nobody else who was even close okay. to having what DHS. Wait a minute, really quick. You're telling me the government of the United States went in to destroy and take away something that was progressively moving with the IRP-6. Now, you would think, oh, we have something in place. Ladies and gentlemen of America, what you didn't know is very clear. How do you pull something so valuable? It doesn't have a price tag on it Mm -hmm. because human life does not have a price tag. You pull this. You are motivated by such corruption that these six men get no credit. For the answer to ISIS, to Al-Qaeda. No, we don't want them to get the credit. Let's go in and kill it. Right, and and you look at, you say, okay, the federal government shoots itself in the foot because you pull these men, you you cause their company to close shop, you pull the software 
uh, out of out of the space of saying, okay, we're ready to serve DHS and, wow. and what it needs. I mean, this software was customized for DHS with their requirements. You 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 wrongfully go after them, raid their business, shut it down. Now the software is not available. What does DHS end up doing? Not going to another vendor. Not saying, okay, well, the second runner-up. No, there was no second runner-up. The whole oh. entire n- initiative was defunded and was crumbled. There, it is no more. The Consolidated Environment Initiative is no more. Well, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, now let, let me clear one point for you. Software is under lock and key. Yes, and when I say gone, I mean there we go. pulled out. Of uh, availability. All right. So make no mistake about it. We hope there is an opportunity here that the key to ISIS can be fixed. We call on President Obama to send clemency and relief to the IRP6 immediately. Why do we ask that from the president? Because we believe it to be the right thing to do. We ask you, Mr. President, members of Congress, Department of Justice. The story continues. The RP6 continue to sit in prison three and a half years now. Not for any crime. Not for any anything that was wrong, but because they sought and had a vision to protect your children who sleep tonight under the umbrella of safety and freedom, which stands at risk. America is at the point of decision Perpetrators of, just, of justice, those that put, appear to be administrators of justice, but they're not. Here we go. The perpetrators of justice. Who are they, Lisa? They are U.S. Attorney John Walsh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hartz, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Moen, Former Federal Agent John Epke, Former Federal Agent Gary Hilberry, Attorney Thomas Goodread, Attorney Clifford Barnard, Attorney Thomas Rich, Attorney Robert Berger, Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Staten Jr., Attorney Rick Kornfeld, Attorney Mark Garagos, Susan Holland of ETI Professional Services, and Samuel K. Thurman. Well, folks, you may wonder who that's an awful lot of people to bring destruction. They brought destruction and they threatened the safety now and the security of the United States. They should be held accountable. Little Johnny will have to one day walk down the street, you want to believe, as he gets ready for school or he goes to recess, that he is safe. I have news for you. America is at risk. Cliff? Yes, we want to say thank you to uh, all of our callers, all of our uh, guests, Cheryl Dorsey, Gwen Carr Garner, and uh, Wanda Johnson. I'm sorry I'm getting tongue-tied tonight. Also want to say thank you to everyone in the chat for questions and your comments. Uh, we really appreciate the interaction. I want to say thank you to our production crew, Captain Kyle and Dustin Jackson of KND Productions, helping out Ill Skillers Girl in the control room to make sure you hear what it is that we have to say. Also, to our production support team, they bring us accurate and up-to-date information so that we can pass that on to you. And to the truth, we know you're out there. 
We appreciate it. And thank you for that. Folks, ladies and gentlemen, remember the IRP6. These men need your help. Starting tomorrow, go to change.org. You will be able to sign the petition as we ask President Obama to seek to, to basically grant clemency to these men. Who are they? David Banks, Gary Walker, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Clinton Stewart, Demetrius Harper, and their families, their children, their wives need to dry the tears and bring these men home. We'll see you next time here on Agency Radio where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.